Welcome back to another episode of Two Guys, One Plant, the weekly podcast where we talk about a different vegetable, fruit, seed, nut, uh, or different plant each week. And we deep dive right into it and talk about the history, the nutritional and medicinal benefits of it, uh, the uh, the <laughs> storage. <laughs> I always get messed up on that one. Storage. And then we talk about how we best to cook it. And we also talk about planting it and growing it so you can grow your own. Um, and uh, and a couple of weird facts along the way. Um, usually it's a bit of a journey. Uh, I'm Simon Hall, uh, the and host. I'm with the other host. Oh, I jumped in too early. <laughs> too early. No, 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 not at all. And um, and this week, Tim, what are we what are we looking at this week? We are going to look at the plum. And mm. we chose the plum purely because I was being selfish and I have two plum trees in the backyard. Yeah, well, you know what? Sometimes selfish endeavors produce some really amazing things. And i got to say, when you said plum last week, I didn't think too much of it. I thought actually it would be a really boring topic to talk about plums. But so did I. Much yeah. to my surprise, it is... It's actually more information that I think we can probably fit into one podcast, but we're going to keep it as concise as we can, I believe, and uh, and just hit some of the really hard points. But, I mean, I feel like this is a topic that we could circle back to um, later on Definitely. and still not be able to cover everything. Yeah. I think, you know, we're starting our podcast with facts and, you know, interesting information and I think it, now is the the right time to point out. And I don't know if I'm isolated or if uh, like if this is common knowledge, but I did not know that prunes were dried plums. Oh, like <laughs> mind <laughs> Me mind either. is blown. I know. Like I just I don't know. I didn't know that. And uh, yeah, that's it's a. Uh, that was I'm one of those things I had to check. Shocked. Like. I was yeah. madly like a uh, Facebook fake news checker. I was I yeah. was trying to find out is this legit or not, Mike. <laughs> so is it legit? As far as I can tell, it is. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, as far as I can see as well, it is legit. Prunes are plums, just dried, which is uh, pretty amazing. Do you, uh, look, we usually start off these podcasts with a couple of weird facts, so I think that's probably the biggest fact of them all is that. Well, see, this is where problems. I'm. I'm torn. Like, is it? Is this a fact that is blowing everybody's mind, or am I just like completely oblivious to this? I don't, I don't know. Well, I guess we will find out with the feedback yeah. this week. Yeah. I, I don't think it's common knowledge. I actually think that people think that prunes are maybe oversized sultanas. I, I'm not yeah. really sure. But uh, did have you? Did you tell Jamie? Does she know? Yeah. Uh, no, I haven't told her yet. She okay, can hear it in the podcast. I I I I asked Chris before we before we started this. I said, "Do you know where prunes come from?" And she's like, "Ah," oh. and I went, mm, "Dried plums." And she went, "Oh no, are you kidding me?" Like she had no idea either. So <laughs> oh, it can't be common knowledge, man. There's the, the, three of us. Can't be four know. people. Yeah, well, three, yeah, at least. Um, okay, so I've got another cool fact for you as well with in regards to uh, plums. Uh, did you know that plums grow on every single continent except for Antarctica? You took one of my facts. Oh. 
<laughs> so to answer your question, Simon, I did yes. know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, well, look, it's a cool fact. I guess we were both on the same uh, same panel with that one. Well, hit me with it's... one of your other cool facts. Oh, are they cool facts? But uh, this one's a, this one's more more of a, a strange one. So, I mean, there are several different variety of plum trees. There's like yes. Japanese and European style or whatever. Mm-hmm. The Japanese plums actually originated in China and were only introduced to Japan 300 years ago. <laughs> so why are they called the Japanese plum? I don't know. Maybe the Chinese had some problem with the Japanese. Who knows? Mm, there you go, hey. Or maybe it was just um, a lot to do with cultivation rather than, you know, mass growing and uh, and the, that sort of um, mm. process is where the names have come from. Yep. I do know that, um, and I'm going to get into this, so I'm taking history today, um, which is really, really in-depth. There's so much to it. But we talk a little bit about China and where the plums were in China. But before we get into that, uh, I got another little fact for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you know that Greek scientists have found that eating several plums before meals will help reduce your appetite and consequently the amount of consumed food? I, I didn't know that, but I do have in my nutrition and medicinal, which I'm taking this this uh, episode about. Uh, the fiber content and the oh, feelings yeah. of satiation and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So. Well, there you go. Mm. Very, very interesting. Well, and look, yep. should we should we jump? It sounds like the facts that we found out this week that are a little bit off center are pretty much what we're covering off inside the yep. the different uh, components of this episode, anyway. So I, I do have one more related to alcoholic beverages. Oh, now you're talking my language. Yeah, which I had no idea, or maybe maybe I did, or maybe I had some sort of idea. But plums are used um, in the production of wine in China. Mm-hmm. Uh, cider-like alcoholic beverage uh, called plum jerkum. This is in um, in England for plum brandy, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and in Serbia it's called slivovits, slivovits, slivits, something like that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Anyway. Yep. Very so, nice. Uh, yeah, interesting. Yep. Very, very good. Um, I believe I have a little bit of that uh, Serbian-Romanian um, things, which is uh, uh, it's a type of plum brandy, which is that mm. sliver bits. Yeah, yeah. Um, very interesting. Okay, look, let's not let's not delay because I've got a big, big lot of history to go through. The is plum, it like? Is it plump? It's uh, <laughs> so yes, quite plump, uh, like a like a peach. Anyway, so <laughs> as long as it's not get, all pruny. No, it's not. Although you may be a bit wrinkled at the end. So <laughs> look, let's not delay. Let's get straight into this. We're going to tackle history first, and uh, and let's talk history. Okay, so. 
music. Okay, here it comes. Here's the history. <laughs> Have you been drinking some Slivovich? <laughs> yeah, a little bit, little, little bit. Well, plum wine is like a very big thing as well. I'm pretty yeah. sure that um, soju is based on plums as well, which is like That's, a... Yes, it was soju that I was thinking of, but I wasn't sure if it was plum or... Yeah. Mm, anyway, so plums are one of the first fruits that have ever been domesticated by humans. Wow. Yeah. So this is a very, very old fruit, right? Mm -hmm. It's been around forever. Um, they're not only found in the wild, but also found in a lot of human settlements. So there's a couple of different main types, which is the Prunus domesticus, uh, domestica, which is traced back to Eastern Europe and the um, uh, and some mountain ranges over in Eastern Europe, while the Prunus salis saliciana and the Prunus simoni originated in Asia. Okay, but there are plum remains that have been found in Neolithic age archaeological sites with olives, grapes, and figs. All right. Mm. So we're talking very, very, very old. Um, you know, if we talk about where the name plum sort of derived from, uh, it comes from Old English, from plum or the plum tree. Um, but it's got a lot of traces back to other areas. But the most interesting thing that I really wanted to touch on first today is because a lot of history sort of goes back to cultivation and you know, when it was really first domesticated. But a lot of times we skip over the fact that, um, you know, there are a lot of native ingredients in Australia that have been eaten by the Aboriginals um, mm. for their bush tucker, you know, which has been eaten for 60,000 years. So, well, And the, the, the Aboriginals, aren't they the oldest uh, civilization? Are. Yeah, they are absolutely. And when I when I was looking into this, uh, this sort of animal and plant food that they've been eating, so they've said estimated sixty thousand years of human habitation um, on the Australian continent, and that's by the Australian Aboriginals, and they used um, their plums in their medicinal and also for eating uh, purposes. So we're mm. talking about a couple of different types of plums. So they've got the billy goat plum, the kakadu plum, uh, green plum, salty plum. Uh, there's also a moringa or a mador. And there's also the Davidson plum as well, which is native to Australia. So I really wanted to touch on this mostly. And, and mostly you can find this kind of up in the northwestern Australia. So we're talking – now this is um, eastern Arnhem land. Um, so if I yeah if I pronounce any of these wrong, I do apologise. But this is uh, that's the general area which we can find these uh, particular plums, and they usually grow around uh, creek beds and along the mangroves, um, sandy, peaty clay soils, um, all in the top end of sort of Western Australia, Arnhem Land, and into um, Limon. Limon National Park as well, mm -hmm. and eucalypt communities. So um, as I mentioned, it was used as bush tucker or traditional medicine by the Australian Aboriginal people. Um, they're usually little roundish light green fruits um, that they eat raw, but they also can be made into a jam as well. 
which is really cool. Um, so, look, I love that part of it. And I, I've actually, I think native Australian ingredients are kind of feature on a couple of restaurant menus in um, Australia. And I'm always a massive fan when they actually do that. Um, I've tried the Davidson Plum before in a um, in an ice cream, actually, mm. uh, yep. which was absolutely delicious. A little bit uh, tart, which was I, I really enjoyed, but amazing. But I, I just found that component of this history really, really fascinating, especially from Australia, for both of us from Australia, to have that kind of history here um, is yep. quite amazing. Um, so we're going to move on to domestication now, which kind of happened in China about 2,000 years ago. So, I mean, we're going to put this into perspective here. We've got the Australian Aboriginal people have been eating this for 60,000 years and domestication in China happened 2,000 years ago. So, like, I, I feel like we should take a moment and respect that the plum, you know, we, the, we had the um, onion and, and thyme roughly go back about 7,000 years yeah. and then all of a sudden we hit plum that is just blown them all out of the water. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. It is quite amazing. Um, yeah, but uh, when we're talking about the, the plum in terms of the Chinese um, heritage of the plum, uh, it's documented throughout their history um, in written documents from around 479 B.C., um, it's in the writings of Confucius, where he wrote uh, poems about them. Uh, it also, the plum blossom tree holds importance in Chinese society through its cultural significance. Um, so you can find Chinese plums in, well, they discovered Chinese plums in several tombs uh, in Kiangsu, Hupei, Kuangtang, and Kangxi. And if I pronounce any of those wrong, I do apologize. Um, and that kind of discovery is suggesting that uh, it was a really important ancient food crop for these for the these ancient Chinese people uh, to be in the tombs, included in the tombs. And, I mean, we talk about that with like the Egyptians when they when they get buried and mummified the the rulers, and they had all of the things that, that were important to them that were buried with them. Um, so I found that really interesting. Um, mm. There's also a really famous Chinese philosopher, uh, Lao Tzu, um, and it, he was thought to have been born underneath a plum tree, um, a lucky occurrence since Chinese believes the plums uh, symbolise good fortune. Um there's also a passage where the famous warrior Cao Cao, Cao Cao boasts of the time he persuaded his soldiers to move quickly out of a dangerous area by telling them that a tree laden with juicy plums lay straight ahead. Straight ahead. <laughs> it's just quite funny. So I, I actually find this really uh, interesting, this particular part, is that the plum, it's not over, not only like you know, big in history, but it's quite, it's quite significant culturally. Um, yep. There were a lot of, a um, lot of text written about it. There's a lot of artist representation. Um, you can look, there's plenty of pottery, wall scrolls, scenic properties with symbolic meanings, uh, like 
scattered throughout China's heritage. Um, they also, due to them being the first flowers of the year, um, they also represent a renewal and a purity. Um, they have five petals, which also represent success and prosperity due to the number uh, being sacred in Chinese culture. Um, so there's lots of there's lots of ties back to uh, China, and I, I know that you mentioned before that the Japanese plum is the is the one that kind of originated in China. Mm -hmm. um, but I found that part uh, quite interesting to see how much it had gone through that uh, that culture, especially in history. Um, there's a lot of disagreement with historians about domestic plums' early existence. Now, we know that it was big in China's history. It's also big in the the Caucasus, the Caucasus Mountains uh, near the Caspian Sea. So that's up near um, uh, Uzbekistan, mm -hmm. uh, Iran. Uh, there's a lot of people who say that the plum actually originated in Iran. Um, I would say that knowing that we... I'd say that knowing that there are different types of plums in Aboriginal culture, I would say that that's probably where it originated, but the plums that, uh, the larger plums that we know today are probably what most people kind of identify with would be originating back in Iran and that sort of area. Mm. Yeah. Um, there are some sources that believe the plum was carried to Rome around 200 BC and then north to Europe. Um, and we're talking about, you know, through um, the different crusades that were happening around that particular time. Um, but what we do know for sure is that it was pretty much all over the globe very quickly and that yeah. everyone was kind of making them straight away um, while well, growing them straight away. Um, I found another really interesting um, uh, fact about art and and the plum um there's a really famous um painting by botticelli which is the virgin and the child or madonna of the book um which is basically the baby jesus in mary's lap and behind her at the window uh there's a blue expanse of sky um and just behind the uh the head of the baby there's an abundance of cherries and like yellow plums. Now, the cherries suggest blood and the plums are suggesting the love between the mother and the son. Interesting. Mm. Crazy, huh? Yeah. Such a such a huge part of um, our whole history, the plum, which I was not ready for, I've got to be no. honest. When I started I, I'm looking still trying to get my head around the, the 60,000 years, you know, Aboriginal culture. Yeah. And I Crazy, have no idea. Huh? Yep. Yeah, because uh, it's been part of their bush tucker for yeah. that long, you know, and we're talking medicinal and and there's not a lot of text about that. Like I, I know that you're doing medicinal um, uh, plum uses yeah, today. I didn't, and, I didn't come across any of the indigenous plum. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like that has to be a whole nother segment. I feel like it, it should be as well. Maybe we can do a whole podcast on um, indigenous. Uh, I'd love to do a whole tucker. series where we just we just work our way through um, bush tucker. Yeah, yeah, that'd be amazing if we can find enough information. Maybe we can get some people on mm, and uh, we can talk to them about yeah. it. That'd be really good. Um, okay, so look, that covers 
a lot of the history. Uh, there is a couple of rituals that I that I came across as well, which, um, yeah. So this kind of ties into what you were talking about before with the Slivovich in Serbia. So. Yeah. so there's varieties of plum brandy in Eastern Europe, uh, Eastern Europe, um, and this is the Slivovich of Serbia. And then in Hungary and Transylvania, uh, they do a palin- palinka. Um, Albania do a, a reki, um, but it's all made from home and all made from small red plums. So these are all different types of. Um, I have a red plum tree. Yep. Oh, do you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. You might or be able to make some, or whatever. Yeah. some plum brandy for us. Mmm. Mmm. So it said that in Albania, a family of five consumes about 250 litres of Reiki each year, and it's considered shameful not to be able to offer guests a drink. Wow. Mm. So everybody makes their own or they buy it or... No, they make their own. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Crazy, huh? Yeah. Um, it's a little bit like moonshine, um, mm. you know, which is what's big with or, that kind Or of... grappa or whatever, yeah. That is every, it. Correct. Civilization yeah. or, yeah, they've yeah. got their own style. Yep. That's it. Because we all now, need alcohol to survive, right? I mean, well, that's correct. We're all in isolation, correct? Yeah. I mean, that's why we're doing this podcast via Skype. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, now... That's kind of a lot to do with the history. I did want to touch on different varieties of plums um, as part of the history just because, well, firstly, there's over 2,000 different varieties of plums, Mm -hmm. so it's ridiculous. We can't really get into that. Um, I did want to talk about a couple of main ones. Um, You've got black amber, which is the really popular ones, dark purple sin, dark purple skin uh, and it's got a light yellow inside Um, there's also the damson which is also purple skin a little bit more tart but that's what people a lot of people use those for jams Um, prunes is part of that which is the dried plums Um, really well-known laxative which i think Mm -hmm. you will start talking about which i'm looking forward to um, interestingly, in Australia, there's over 200 varieties of plums that are grown here. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of those varieties are from the Japanese one, which is the Prunus salicina, salicina, um, and the European Prunus domestica species. Um, uh, but the Japanese plums have a lower chilling requirement. So um, they're earlier to flower, also makes them a little bit more susceptible to frost, but uh, they, they're they a lot of what we actually eat here. And the European plums are the, the smaller ones, a little bit more aromatic, um, yeah. but are more suited for the brandies and also um, for prunes, for drying. Yes. Well, mm. what I read was you can only get prunes from the European ones. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it's just uh, the European-style plums that turn to mm. prunes. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you can make prunes from anything, but the prunes that the ones that we all know and, you know, mm. well, not from anything, but any type of plum, you can dry it out and make it into a prune, but the most common one is that European one. That's what, mm. what everyone pretty much does. Mm. Amazing. 
Yeah, that is really interesting. That's yeah. it. That's history. As as short as I could make it because I I could read like I could read the history of the plum for hours because it is rich in history in multiple cultures. Mm. So it's not just the Chinese that it had a big history. It's not just the Japanese. So we didn't even touch the Japanese history with the plum. You know, we touched a little bit of East European, but not really we touched on the Australian Aborigines. But th- that's even like there's much more to all of these stories. But um, I just I found it all very fascinating this week, especially when I wasn't expecting this to happen. I love when that happens, when you just got no idea. I mean, I didn't know anything about the plum going into this, so mm. um, I don't think I've ever actually eaten one, to be honest. So, <laughs> hang on, just can we just stop stop the podcast? No. <laughs> You've never eaten a plum. I don't. No, I, I'm not a big fruit person. Yeah, but but you have to have had a plum one time, sure. Probably, probably, but I don't remember. Yeah. Oh my, that is horrible. Which is why I'm trying to get my plum tree sorted out so that I can. Um, Get some plums. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They'll be delicious straight off the tree. Mm. Yeah, wow. Yep. Okay, well, look, let's not dilly-dally because I'm pretty sure that your medicinal nutrition is going to be a doozy as well. Yeah, it's 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 pretty pretty full of information, but I like what you've done with the history. I'm going to um, just pick on some really key points and, and talk about them um, in a little bit of detail, but there is a lot. And once once I realized that plums and prunes were the same, that just made the conversation even longer again. Um, yes. So I'm going to try and keep it interesting. <laughs> okay. That's good. Yeah, because prunes are, I mean, they're used medicinally. Well, um, I mean, let's, 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 let's be real here. When you think prunes, you think old people and you think yes. laxatives. Like, yeah, that's yeah. It. That's, that's it. Prune. Keep it regular. Yeah. Yeah. Keep you very regular. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So why uh, is that? Um, well, we'll get to that, but it's mainly okay. because of the fiber, the soluble fiber that's in it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm not going to derail you. I don't mind, mate. We're just, we're just talking, right? <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Well, you hit me with it, man. Uh, I'm, I'm all ears. I'm so excited so, to hear this. We're talking about the nutrition and normally when, when we start this, this part of the the conversation, um, we generally skip over some of the the basic nutrition like protein, fat, carb, all that sort of stuff. But what I wanted to do was um, highlight the difference between plums and prunes because even though they're the same, it's the same plant or the same fruit, um, there is is a a fairly distinct difference between the two. Okay. Um, So starting calorie for calorie, I mean, if you think about it, it makes sense anyway, but a prune is far more calorie dense than a, than a plum plums, you know, there's a fair amount of water in there. So it kind of makes sense. You dry the water out. Uh, So a plum, you're talking 30 calories, a prune, you're talking 67 calories. It's a huge difference, Um, which goes, goes in later. You think about obviously not overeating and that sort of thing, because you're eating more calories. So you've got to be careful how many prunes you eat. But um, You've got eight grams of carbs versus eighteen grams of carbs. Mm. Uh, fibers roughly the same, or fibers double, but it's one gram to two grams, so it's similar. Sugars seven grams <laughs> to eleven grams. That's a lot more. One gram to two grams. That's yeah, huge. it's double. It's double. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. It doesn't feel like a lot, but it is a lot. Yeah, it is. Uh, so then you've got um, plums are very high in uh, vitamin C. Yep. Uh, you've got good quantities of vitamin A, vitamin K, uh, potassium, copper, and manganese. Whereas a prune, you, vitamin K is crazy. So you're at 21% versus 5% on a plum. Oof. But you got vitamin A, vitamin K, um, some B complex, so B2, B3, B6. There's potassium, copper, manganese, magnesium, and phosphorus. So there's, there's actually a, a, a um, fairly reasonable difference between the two, okay. particularly that vitamin K. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And what so is vitamin really K for? Um, good question. I can't remember off the top of my head, and I didn't write it down. Uh, is, it, uh, is it? I feel like I should know. Kellogg's complex. <laughs> it is Kellogg's complex. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking it's it up right as we. I'm vitamin K. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the sound that's we want to hear vitamin. on the podcast. Ah, <laughs> 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 it is. Oh, I knew it. Uh, blood clotting. And okay. Binding, okay. Binding calcium to bones. Yeah. Okay. So it's actually really good for for elderly. Yes, because yep. you're reducing blood clots well, in the legs, and I'm actually going to talk about bone health specifically as a topic. So Ooh. yeah, yeah. Oh, so go. I don't, I don't think on um, any of the the topics we've covered so far, we've we've addressed a product that has um, benefits for bone health. So that's interesting. No, I mean broccoli definitely helps with calcium, but. Um, it's not very specific. Mm. So yeah. if this is quite specific about it, I'm, I'm all ears. Yeah. Well, I'll, I will come to that. So okay. I want to start with the antioxidant side of it, you know, uh, mm. like strawberries and a lot of other things we haven't talked about yet with, that are really rich in color and, you know, sort of stuff. They're, they're high in phytonutrients and antioxidants and um, they've all – all these antioxidants and um, what are they called? Uh, phenols. They they all have different things. They 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 all do different things. Uh, the plum is has actually been uh, researched repeatedly for its the unique phytonutrients in it. One is called neochlorogenic, mm-hmm. and the other one is called chlorogenic acid. So they've actually been quite well studied um, and well documented, and they're uh, quite effective in uh, neutralizing dangerous uh, oxygen radicals or, or free radicals. One's yep. called a uh, superoxide anion. Um, and, yeah, so they their effect on those has been shown to prevent oxygen-based damage to fats, which from what I can tell is is it's quite hard to do, preventing that uh, damage to fat. So it's, yeah, wow. uh, it's, um, it's one of its, I guess, feather in its cap that it can, it can do this. Um, yeah. And is it? But really, you're saying that it's pretty unique in that. Yes. Yeah. Wow. And you know, when you think about the way the body's made up, brain cells and and um, well, your brain is made of fat, but um, your cholesterol and everything is fat as well. So it's yeah. it plays in with the brain and and cholesterol and all sorts of things. So it's it's really quite um quite a uh, an amazing fruit to have these these antioxidants. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and I then to add, it's crazy, man. That is crazy. Yeah, and to add to that, to add to that antioxidant effect, you've got these this really high level of vitamin C as well. Yeah, um, and the vitamin C that's in it has they've studied, and we've taught we've 
brought this up in past podcasts, but uh, vitamin C and iron absorption, mm-hmm. and it's been studied to help um, help improve iron absorption as well. So there's a, yeah. a really good level of, of vitamin C in there. I think it's 10% of your daily intake. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Man, yeah. I, I've got to be honest here. Why does the orange get such a good rap for vitamin C? I, I, I don't know, man. I, it's it, clever marketing, right? Do you reckon it just looked like a really good fruit that they could say vitamin C? Yeah, maybe. And we won't know until we get to it because I've never grown oranges, but Mm. maybe it's to do with mass production. It's like, and we're getting way off topic here, but it's like wheat, you know. Mm. Wheat is not the best product out there for you in terms of grains, but it's the easiest to mass grow and mass produce. True. So that is oranges true. might fall into that category. I don't know. But plums, yeah, I'm going to cover growing, but you, it takes it takes years to get fruit off a tree. Yeah, so. I I, t- I saw a little bit of information in my research that uh, plums were a particularly difficult uh, yeah difficult plant. But anyway, yeah. we yeah. digress. Carry yeah, on. We do. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's the antioxidants in a really really quick yeah. uh, nutshell. <laughs> yeah. This is me yeah, in a nutshell. Good Austin Powers reference. Yeah. yeah, I like that visual joke for the podcast. Anyway, mm. carry on. <laughs> so moving on, uh, we talked about the, the soluble fiber that's in, in a plum. And mm-hmm. uh, we touched on this. Um, now it's testing my memory. Uh, was it broccoli? We talked about uh, maintaining blood sugar. Yes, yeah, so it's this fiber is, is playing into that again where um, normalizing blood sugar levels, improving insulin sensitivity, which which blew my mind. Yeah, yeah. so um, and helping in the prevention of type 2, type two diabetes. Wow. Um, so more importantly, which we touched on earlier, is that fiber can help with that full kind of satiated type feeling. So yep. it, it can also help. Uh, yeah, I'm talking about lower blood sugar here, but... Um, it's more about weight control at the end of yeah. the day. So if you've got that feeling of fullness, you'd be less inclined to overeat. Wow. Yeah, yeah so you've got that really, really high-quality fiber. Uh, mm. That's in it. And then when you move into the prune conversation, that high-quality fiber is is amplified because it's, you know, it's being dried and it's more dense. Uh, mm. And double the fiber that we saw at the start there. Yeah, um, that's where your your laxative effect comes in, and that kind of gut motility, and you know, because fiber fiber plays the biggest part in gut motility. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you know that was interesting, and and when it comes to prunes, it it like I said, it kind of decreases that that um, the transit time through the bowel, mm-hmm. uh, which is particularly important in reducing the risk of colon cancer and hemorrhoids. So, you know, making sure that food is passing through our digestive system um, regularly and and not kind of stagnating somewhere reduces the risk of, of those, yeah, particularly the colon cancer and, and that sort of thing. But um, f- I, we haven't really touched on it yet, but f- fiber, and I, I want to do more research, but fiber is like a, um, a prebiotic um, mm. So it helps helps feed uh, good bacteria in the gut. Awesome. So you you you're getting this laxative effect, but you're also feeding your gut on the way through, uh, feeding the good bacteria, and so lots of lots of positives for um, digestive system and digestive tract. Um, it's actually the biggest 
the biggest section to talk about really at the end of the day. I mean, we all know prunes as a, as a, as a laxative. Mm. Um, so there's one thing I wanted to bring up specifically, and it was, it's called a uh, pro propionic acid. And this is produced from prunes from the, the, the insoluble fiber. So most of a prune is soluble fiber, but there is a, an amount of insoluble fiber. Um, and it's, it's thought to be partly responsible for, uh, cholesterol lowering properties of fiber. So, um, there's this, this plays back into this cholesterol again, where it's, you know, having effect on the, the fats that are in the body. Uh, the soluble fibers, however, um, bind to the bile acids and remove them from the body via the poo. So you've also got, um, you've got the, the, the soluble fiber kind of grabbing cholesterol out of the body and you, you basically shit it out at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> to put it bluntly. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. And then to, to like, as a, an additional effect, that soluble fiber has also shown that it might uh, reduce the amount of cholesterol that's actually made by the liver. So not only are you you're cleaning out cholesterol that's already there, you're slowing the liver down from making more. Yeah. What? Am I? Is it just me, or should everyone not know this about plums? Uh, man, every week I think everyone should know this about whatever we talk about it. Yeah, it's true. That is very true. I just, I'm just really like, I just had no idea that it was that much of a benefit to you. Mm. I mean, there's there's so much information to cover with each each plant. It's hard, you know. The government puts out their guidelines to say, you know, three and five or whatever it is, three serves of fruit and five mm. serves of vegetable, and they mm. say just just vary it. I mean, that's that's as diverse as their information gets. So you mm. you've, you've just got to change up what you eat all the time or eat seasonal i mean that's yeah. the best advice yeah absolutely i think eating yeah. seasonally is the definitely the way to go and plums traditionally are a summer fruit the stone yes kind of coming yeah. towards they, summer so. yeah We're, i'm going to talk about growing but they're they're um, yeah. they're a dormant plant through winter yeah mm. yeah wow uh so let's get on to bone health because i found this one particularly interesting yeah bone carry bone on health. It's <laughs> gone. <laughs> so there's actually been some studies, and we're referring specifically to prunes at this stage, but yep. um, it's just because of their um, density. Uh, studies have shown that consumption of prunes uh, can re- help reduce the risk of osteoporosis and osteopenia. Uh, but this is the the thing they actually haven't worked out why it's still unclear as to how it how it does it yeah what i know is i'm really going why why don't you know but they think it's got to do with the <laughs> the antioxidants okay yeah. but they don't know no it's they it's just know it does and and they're not um there hasn't been enough study done into it yeah oh my gosh yeah. well it's good that they know that it actually does it mm. yeah just not sure they how. haven't quite pinpointed what 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 in the prune is actually doing it or what combination of things and yeah just you know it's one of those things that costs money to study and somebody's not funding it really at the end of the day yeah someone's just got to give a shit (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's a good one 
like yeah, it. Anyway, yeah, anyway, well, I've got a, I've got a million of them. Don't you worry. Uh, <laughs> wow, that's cool. That yep. is really cool. Uh, so the last thing I wanted to cover was heart health because this one's super okay. important too. Um, and this kind of relates both to plums and prunes. And it's it. what I saw was referencing a, a specific study of people who drank prune juice and ate three, three or six prunes each morning uh, for eight weeks. And the groups were compared uh, – they were compared to a group that drank only water on an empty stomach. So those that consumed prunes and prune juice had significantly lower blood pressure, uh, lower total cholesterol, and lower um, LDL, which is the bad, the low density cholesterol, lower LDL cholesterol than the water group. And there was also another study that found that men with high cholesterol had lower cholesterol after consuming 12 prunes a day for eight weeks. Wow. Yeah. So you've got. That's not a lot. No, 12, 12 prunes a day for eight weeks is – it's two months, man. Like, it's nothing. That's really nothing. Yeah. To lower cholesterol. Yeah. Man, seriously. Why aren't they – man, this, yeah. this should be, like, part of the doctor's handbook, man. Oh, yeah, I know. Food go, is on, go and get yourself food some is, prunes. It is definitely is medicine. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you've got oh, antioxidants, you know, blood sugar regulation, mm-hmm. um, Lots of fiber for for um, feelings of satiation, you know, gut motility, bone health, um, prevent well the risk of severe bone problems, and mm. then you know the the benefit to your heart and cardiovascular system and cholesterol and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. What a great fruit! Mm. It's incredible. Not to be confused with grapefruit. No, not grapefruit. Great fruit. <laughs> I love it. I Absolutely. Love it. Oh my I've gosh, already man. Used that the was really cool. I can't use it again. Yeah, no, don't. Because no. we're good. Um, yeah. Far out, man. That was really cool. Yeah. I, man, it was, it was like reading through it going, like you just said, why Why don't we know this stuff? Mm. <laughs> I've got two palm like... trees in my backyard. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, lucky you, man. Like really lucky you. That's yeah. cool. You get to you get to grow them quicker than most of us would. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've I've seen a lot of plums in the supermarket at the moment, so they're pretty much everywhere. Um, I'm sure that we're getting these over from overseas because mm-hmm. it's just not the time for us at the moment here. But um, wonderful. They're delicious. I mean, Jamie eats a lot of plums. Uh, really? Yeah. So she loves them. I don't generally eat plums at all. Uh, mm. Just oh, because they're a little bit tart. But, yeah, oh, okay. you don't know. Oh, okay. So, look, can we dive into um, eating and yeah, and cooking? Yeah. So because full, full, full disclosure, Simon and I, yeah. you know, changed the, the order that we do things mm. uh, this mm. podcast. Yes. And silly me didn't write it down. Ah. So I, I, I did a bit of research into cooking. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> That's okay, man. This is a beautiful thing. This is the discussion, right? So I, I, I like that. I think it's a good thing. So we are going to talk about cooking it right now. The biggest thing for me about cooking with plums is that it is such a versatile ingredient to cook with. You can use it in savory dishes. You can use it in sweet dishes. You can use it in mains. You can use it in salads. You can use it in 
dumplings. You can use it in um, sweets and pies and ice cream and like yeah. you can use it everywhere. And it pairs really well with a number of different um, a number of different ingredients that you probably wouldn't think of straight away. Like uh, it pairs really well with thyme. Yeah. So you no, can do didn't think of that. Pl- yeah, plum and thyme tarts. Wow. And they're absolutely delicious. I've had plum and thyme before, but plum and rosemary pairs really well as well. Um, some other really good flavor combos that I was uh, sort of exploring are plum and ginger, cinnamon, lemon, oranges, balsamic vinegar, sesame, and it also pairs really well with like other stone fruits like cherries and apricots mm-hmm. and almonds and uh, nectarines as well. Almonds. But, they're a stone fruit, are they? Uh, <laughs> no, not almonds. Did I say almonds? <laughs> yeah, no, you did. Do, I that? <laughs> uh, do you even stone fruit? Are they a stone fruit? No. <laughs> they're a nut. You're a nut. You're a nut. Um, <laughs> a coconut. Yeah. So, uh, look, I wanted to cover off one thing at the beginning of the cooking, mm. which um, was like one of those really, you know, when Google says, uh, like, you, you kind of go cooking with plums when you type it into Google and it has people also ask this question. Yeah. So a lot of people were asking, can you eat the skin of a plum? Yeah. What? I know. So, yes, you can. If anyone's out there thinking, can I eat the skin of a plum? Yes, you can. It is very much edible. Um, But if you want to eat them raw but skinned, you can drop them in boiling water for about 15 seconds and then plunge them directly into cold water and the skin will just peel off. Yeah, okay. Amazing. I didn't know you could do that. But I feel like everything that's out there, the nutrition is the skin or just under the skin. It's very true. Very, very true. Uh, some people mm. might not like the skin. Yeah. yeah. Just like I don't like seeds. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, do you eat the skin of a kiwi fruit? No. Would you eat a kiwi fruit? It's like, I don't eat them either, man. All those I seeds, don't. terrible. Well, I don't <laughs> but, eat them. <laughs> but I know people who eat the skin of a kiwi fruit, that hairy skin. I'm probably getting mm. all the nutrients. But anyway. Um, you did some research on cooking. Is there anything you want to talk about? No, I got rid of my notes. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, I'm going to touch on a couple of traditional cooking um, things, which is the Chinese plum sauce. Mm-hmm. So it's a very, uh, very traditional uh, thing. So we touched on China being, you know, really heavy with plums throughout their throughout their culture and they've been using it for centuries. Plum sauce is a bit of a modern culinary staple in China, kind of falls into that sweet and sour condiments. It's got that sweet and also that tangy flavor. Um, It's a little bit thicker than most sorts and it it clings to food really well. Um, They use it a lot for dipping sauces for, you know, spring rolls and noodles and um, they use it a lot on, on like for a duck as well. So, I mean, both of us would not uh, – we're probably not going to go down the duck lane, but mm. if you can find yourself some vegan duck, uh, some <laughs> plant-based duck, which I've yeah. had, which is amazing. It's just exactly the same. Tastes like chicken? 
that's no, it's just like duck, mate. Uh, <laughs> um, you could definitely get plum sauce for that. Um, you know, and plum sauce is actually quite easy to make. Uh, you just use some ripened plums with the skins removed, um, add a little bit of sugar and some rice vinegar, salt, ginger, chili peppers, and then you basically just boil it down. And then cool. you can get yourself plum sauce, which is pretty cool. Um, I Next year I'll want... have to give you some of my plums. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm very excited about that. Uh, we did touch – I mean, I touched on really before that they're very versatile. So I'm just going to run you through a bit of a list of the different things that you can do with plums, all right? And I found this on a site that I didn't write down, but it was really cool. So um, sorry. Uh, if this is your website, thank you very much, and it was very good. Um, so – you can pickle plums, so you pack them into jars with uh, spice vinegar brine and it uh, pickles them. Uh, it's really good for using them in cocktails, uh, mm -hmm. which is pretty cool. You can caramelize plums, so, you know, frying them off in a skillet with maybe a little bit of maple syrup and then adding them into a salad, or you can chuck them on top of uh, ice cream or... Um, you know, caramelized plums would be great on top of a muesli as well yeah. or something like that in the morning. Um, uh, you can poach them. Uh, the, these guys said that you can cook plums in a sweetened wine, so like a rosé or something like that, and poach them in that, and then you uh, serve them chilled with ice cream. Jeez. Mm, yeah. Crazy, huh? Yeah. Um, you can grill them as well. So you can brush them with a little bit of olive oil and grill them until they're charred. Great for desserts, great for salads. Um, obviously, you can use them as a sauce, which we already touched on. Uh, dumplings as well. They're used in a lot of dumplings. Uh, you can use them in cakes. So a lot of people cut them into little bite-sized pieces and fold them into simple cakes. Or you can use them in tarts as well. So a lot of people mm -hmm. use um, you know, plums in tarts and you can either, you know, poach them and then chuck them into a tart and, and, and cook it inside the tart um, or do it a couple of different other ways. And also salads, um, you know, slice plums with a spinach salad or maybe even uh, like a lightly dressed fennel salad with plums as well. So you've got that peppery, um, that peppery taste that you get from the fennel and the mm. licorice kind of taste that, pairs really well with the sweetness of the plum, mm -hmm. um, which is delicious. Um, yeah, and that's pretty much a lot to do with the cooking. I think I read that site that you read oh, yeah? all of that stuff from. Was it, yeah. I think it was called Food and Wine. Could be. Yeah. Could be foodandwine.com. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, like really, that. really, really, really um, interesting. I, I've cooked a little bit with plums before. I have grilled them. They were delicious. I have poached them before. I have chucked them into like a tart and they were amazing. Um, I would love to cook more with plums though. I just, so you said uh, there were some plums at the supermarket? Yeah, they're everywhere at the moment. I might have to go and have a look. I have mm. to uh, step outside of my little comfort box and yes. try one. Yeah, it's essential travel, mate. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was thinking about um, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about our conversation with seeds and stuff, and you know, like strawberry seeds and kiwi seeds, 
and it, it triggered my memory and I, I think this is the same for apricot and they they kind of fall in the same they're stone fruit but I think they um, fall the similar similar plant um, they're part of the same subgenus yes that's it the the seed has a um, I want to say chemical but let's just say ingredient called amygdalin mm-hmm. and if you consume that uh, seed, the amygdalin turns into cyanide in the human body. Yeah, so it's not not ideal. So don't eat the seed. Correct. Yeah, yep. I like that. What mm. a good piece of information. Do mm. not eat the plum seed. Public service announcement. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't eat the plum seed. Definitely. Yep. Oh my gosh, mm. that's uh, that is good to know. I mean, I don't eat seeds of anything because they grow in your stomach. So. Correct, and nobody wants a plum tree. I mean, no, no, not inside. Oh my gosh, can you imagine that? The roots. Oh, anyway, okay. So, right through your bowel. That'd be Jesus. terrible. Yep. Nah, nah. All right. So, look. After this, I think um, uh, you're going to touch on. We're going to talk about growing now, which is going to be very interesting. And and um, I think this is actually going to be a good part of this podcast because. I think that they're notoriously hard to grow, which is a little bit disappointing, but um, I'm really excited to hear it. I know that after this, though, I'm going to be making a plum and thyme tart, which I'm very excited to do. Not straight away after this, but I will be making one in the Mm. next week. I'm going to make an effort to go and eat a plum at least. Mm. Yeah. Well, mate, if I can make this tart, I will, uh, and and the ISO post, restrictions. Post me some. Uh, yeah, I will um, Uber eat drop it? it off at you. I'll drop it off at your door, and not <laughs> not not knock. I'll just leave it on the front yeah. door. Just <laughs> leave it there. Let Jake yeah. get into it. Yeah, he'll yeah. love it. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Talk to me. Let's go. Yeah, Bro. let's let's talk about growing. And mm. you know, I've said it a couple of times, but I have two very well established plum trees in the backyard. Um, they're quite big and we've only lived in this house for be coming up to 18 months now when we moved in they were right at the end of their um, fruiting season and there was there was some fruit which I think Chris ate some but I I didn't touch it um, and then the last fruiting season just gone um, the trees we couldn't we couldn't net the trees, so I couldn't okay. keep the birds the birds away and the bugs away and everything. And we pretty much lost all the fruit. Okay. Um, so I'd, I'd made a really concerted effort to make sure I got those trees under control for next year's season because there was, I had to clean all the fruit up off the ground, and mm. there was literally bucket loads. So I've got like a big twenty liter um, pail, mm. and it was maybe six loads full wow. of plums. Yeah, yeah, so much fruit. Man, so much for it. I'm definitely getting some off of you next season. Yeah, That's so I really, I really wanted to dive into this, um, the fruit thing, and I and I said this to you earlier that I, I kind of went off track on pruning because that's what I need to do to um, help my trees. But mm-hmm. if we go back to to growing, they, um, to be just to like really clear and simple, not easy to grow from the seed or the pit. Okay. Uh, you can you can do it. And I'll go through that process, but at the end of it, you're not guaranteed a fruiting tree. So commercial, commercial oh. orchards and plum orchards, they um, I didn't write it down, but they basically 
they they have like a, a a mother tree or a clone tree, and they they graft and and clone, and and th- that's how they guarantee the fruit that they're going to get from their trees. But if you if you just sprout a seed, you're not guaranteed fruit. So you could go through a lot of effort for no reason. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And, and if I if I jump ahead, it's it's three to four years before you get fruit. So if you're oh, planning no, from you wasting time, no, oh. you're gonna waste your time. So you're better oh off going God. to a nursery and buying an established <laughs> tree. I could just. <laughs> That would be me. I would plant yeah. it and then five years later and then I'll be like, I've got no fruit yet. And someone would be like, uh, I'm pretty sure you're not going to get any fruit from that. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I'm, awesome. I'm going through this process with avocado at the moment. It's like, am I going to, mm-hmm. I'm trying to sprout the seeds and am I going to get any fruit mm-hmm. from it? Mm-hmm. No, who knows? Yeah, it's all a bit of fun. Um, Is it though? I, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Uh-huh. It's not going to be fun if it doesn't sprout any avocados, right? <laughs> no, it's not going to be. No. But I don't think avocados have the same problem as the the, well, the plum. You just have to have pollinators. That's all. You just need uh-huh. two two avocado trees, and we've got heaps bees, so I don't think pollination is a problem. Okay. Um, but to to sprout to sprout to to sprout a plum's pit, <laughs> tongue twister. Um, okay. Remove the pit. Wash it in some water. And then yep. just kind of lightly brush it or scrub it to get all the, the fiber and everything off it, uh, making sure all that, that fiber and pulp is removed. Mm-hmm. And this is really interesting because we're going to go into this further, but um, plums, they like the cold. Uh, the seed has to be chilled off. So it needs to be chilled between 1 and 5 degrees for between between 10 to 12 weeks. So you basically have to – it's called stratification – yeah, you have to put it in your fridge and wait for it to sprout. In your fridge? Well, you got to get it to one to five, five between one and five degrees uh, Celsius. That is, yeah. Twelve weeks. Yeah. Wow. I know, right? So it once you get through like that process, not worth it. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's already worth it. like I'm just like nah, it's not worth it. I don't want to do I, it. I wrote in my notes: too hard, just buy a tree. <laughs> 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 I I like that note. I think everyone should know that note. That's good. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so sprouting from a seed is a no-no. Yeah. So you buy an established tree and plant it. I'm not going to go into how to plant it because it depends on the variety mm-hmm. and it depends on – so one, it depends on the variety and one, it depends on how you buy it. You can buy bare-rooted and you can buy potted and there's all different varieties. So you really need to go and – Talk to someone at your local nursery. Which type of plum tree you're buying, and how best to plant it. Mm, nice, um, nice. I don't know if you can hear my crying baby. Yeah, I can. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> the poor little guy. Oh, it's all right. Yeah, he's, he's just uh, a growing boy. Yeah, he's had a couple of couple of days of being very unhappy. Yeah. That's I don't know if he's teething or growing or whatever it is. Yeah. Well, maybe you should put him in the fridge for 12 weeks and see if he sprouts. I don't need him to grow any faster than he already is. <laughs> one, to, one to five degrees. No. Yeah. 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 So uh, let's, I just want to say that that's a joke. Do not put your child in the fridge between one to five degrees for 12 weeks. You should never do that. That is this not is attempted what by professionals. Do. Please do not try this at home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. Things that you hear in this podcast are not real. Anyway, go on. Yeah, the views that are expressed are. <laughs> anyway, we come digress. On, come on, let's, let's go. On, let's yes, get back um, to the trees. Yes. Yep. So you've got bare root. Um, yeah, choosing the right variety for your location is really important. There's, um, from what I read, the bare root plants are the 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 best the best ones to buy, or the easiest ones to kind of get going in your own environment. Um, and they they generally establish them, themselves better than if you bought something else, and that means at the end of the day, a better established plant means more fruit. So, yeah. kind of look for the bare rooted um, plants. So it's definitely worthwhile and spending the money to get a a well like a well established tree if yeah. you're going to go down the plum thing. If you eat a lot of plums, if you um, you know, if it's something that you really enjoy or you want to start enjoying or cooking with, then getting yeah. an established tree is definitely the way yeah. to go. Spend yeah. some time preparing, finding the right nursery, you know, yeah. making sure you get the right plant and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, they so it, the tree itself, they love lots of sun, um, you know, good air. They say you read this all the time, good air circulation. I mean, what does that mean? You're planting it outside. Oh, there's better air circulation in this part of my yard than that part. I, like, I'm I very yeah. confused by that statement. I know, me too, right? But yeah. it's everywhere on a lot of things. Yeah, look, they like good air circulation. Well, maybe that I just think it, means not shoving it in with another. You just, yeah, don't trees. crowd it. Don't yeah. crowd it around everything else. Yeah, okay. I mean, ultimately that's what it is. But um, they like good um, sort of moisture, retentative soil, you know, clay and loam and that sort of thing, um, mm. a lot of moisture and that sort of thing. Um, this is what I found really interesting. So plums are actually quite extensively grown in Victoria where we are in Australia, and that's um, partly because of the climate. So the plums – I want to say plums love the cold, but the tree goes dormant in winter. So it's yeah. it's a strange statement, right? They The tree stops growing and kind of goes into – hibernation in winter yet we say they love the cold now i found this mm. this this information on um the department of uh, environment and primary industry so the dpi uh in vic and it, it, it gives this information right and this is all stone fruits uh so obviously including plums all stone fruits require a period of winter cold to break the tree's dormancy which is uh measured at a certain number of hours below seven degrees so the tree has to go below seven, um, and it's referred to as the chilling requirement. Plums, they require somewhere between 600 and 1,500 hours below seven degrees. Whoa. Like, seriously. Wow. Yeah. When that I read is- that, I was like, 600 hours? That is a long time. <clears throat> but, you know, I yeah. think yeah, if you've got, you know, nighttime, eight, ten hours at a time each day, it adds up yeah. pretty fast. Oh, yeah. yeah, I guess so. That's what, uh, you know, about 80 days or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. which is winter. I mean, yeah. you're talking 90 days, three months of winter. So yep. they really have to have those cold winters. So if we had an mm. un- unseasonably warm winter, obviously you're going to affect, uh, affect plum production or mm. stone fruit production in general. So we need yeah, okay. those cold winters. Yeah. 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 Um, on the growing side, and I know you're still mm-hmm. uh, still running with it. I actually found a joke uh, yeah. about growing plums that was uh, circulated among Californian stone group growers. 
about the difficulties in growing plums. Mm-hmm. Do you want to hear the joke? Yeah, of course. Okay. So nah, it's like actually, a little... I changed <laughs> okay. my mind. Yeah, yeah, okay, right. Uh, so it goes, a peach is like your mother. It's always there for you. A nectarine is like your girlfriend. It's something really dear and special. A plum is like a harlot down the street. It'll screw you every time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. I, I must so, be lucky then with the plum trees I have in the backyard. You must be, mate. Or you've just got really good growing conditions, yeah. um, you know, because, I mean, that's from California stove fruit growers and they know yeah. how hard it is to grow plums. Mm. So I don't know. Yeah, it seems crazy. like a difficult – it's it's really weird, you know, that it's got such a massive history mm. and every culture grows plums, but it's one of the hardest – fruits to grow yeah yeah and I maybe just, that's maybe that plays into the cultural significance because like anything the harder it is to obtain mm. the more significant it is for us so it doesn't matter what it is you know you spend 10 years at university learning to become a doctor and then it becomes you know this amazing thing or so the harder yeah. something is to get then it becomes yeah more dear yeah that is very true mm. didn't think about it like that and there ends my philosophy lesson wow Look at you, mate. Good old philosophy, Tim. Yeah. Yep. Another Tim bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was really cool, man. Is that uh, is that it? Uh, no. No, it's not. So oh, no. you can Dude, reserve your applause point. until the end. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> um, companion planting. Oh, yep. this is my, one of my favorite sections. Go on. Yeah. So... It's really important. We talked about it earlier about pollination. Um, so at the yep. end of the day, anything in the garden that will attract uh, pollinators, so anything that's going to attract bees is good for not only your plums but most of the, the food that you grow. It needs We need bees to pollinate our food. Yep. Um, so anything there, but uh, specifically some plants that go well with plums, garlic, tansy, marjoram, dill, um, you can also have uh, clovers and legumes as well for soil fertility. Yeah. Okay. So um, I find fairly... that really interesting because usually um, companion planting leads into cooking and eating and mm-hmm. like usually you'd see those together. Yeah. So yeah. I would say that it would be really interesting to try plums with dill just mm-hmm. to see how that plays out and what yep. that tastes like because that's really interesting to me i, I find that that really interesting yeah yeah it, it yeah and i i'm yet to look up tansy but it's come up a couple of times in our uh podcast and i I've, I've never used it or seen it so i'm not 100 percent sure mm. what it is yeah tansy. Uh, have, have you heard of it before no never mm. well okay. apart from the couple of times that we've spoken about it yeah but. yeah Mm-hmm. I will look that up. Yeah. So, um, yeah, some good companion planning there. But um, going on to what interests me the most was the pruning. Okay. So I went down. <laughs> Is that a, a fun? <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. Go on. Tell me how to prune a plum tree. It's too hard to tell you how to prune it, but um, I went down a YouTube hole. YouTube is is full of um, experts. I do that with inverted commas because Uh some are and some are. You just don't know. Uh, Teaching you how to prune the tree correctly. But 
it's really important to note that your tree has to be looked after. It has to be pruned well and taken care of. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, you, you're just not going to get the fruit from it. And that, yeah. that's been seen with mine. So I didn't prune it and it's gotten out of control. Now I can't net it, so I can't stop the birds from getting to it. Um, and now I have something that's called, um, well, we call it curly leaf, but I think it's it's actually called leaf curl. Um, but it's it fits into a broader picture of they're really susceptible to disease, so fungi and disease and bugs and, and those sorts of things. So they they really have to be looked after. You have to care for your your, your trees. So you have to prune them. You have to make sure that disease and pest-free. Um, and then in the fruiting season when the fruit drops onto the ground, you have to clean it up. You can't let it rot because that attracts more bugs and pests and that sort of thing. So mm. there is a lot of work that goes into it. And um, yeah. from what I could tell, the pruning is actually quite easy once you know what to do. Yeah. But I have to I have to retrain my trees. I've got to go back and I've got to prune them right back and try and get them to grow differently. And so mm. I've got a lot of work to do to get it to get it right. But um, once you get it right, it's quite easy. Yeah. yeah. Sort of a labor of love. Yeah. 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 I, I suppose you get your just rewards from that, you know. Mm. You put in the effort, you feel like it. It's just like what you said before. Mm. You know, you put a lot of effort in, a lot of care in it, and you'll enjoy it so much more when you actually yep. get your harvest because you put so much work into it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. If you get a harvest from your seed. Well, I yeah, if you get it from your <laughs> seed, yeah. I hope I get one next year. I hope I haven't let it go too much where – it skips a year because you know the tree's just not doing so well. But um, mm. I've got I've got curly leaf and you know it needs pruning, so I've got to just um, I've got okay. to put some effort into the tree. And I've been waiting for winter because you have to prune them in winter when they're dormant. Okay. Yeah. yeah. How interesting. Love it. Mm. That's cool, yeah. man. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you about storing the fruit yes. after you've grown it. So this is kind of succinct, this one. So you store plums at room temperature to ripen. Um, you need to check them pretty frequently, though, because they they go ripe really quickly and then they can go bad really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, ripe fruit, um, you'll, you'll be able to know when you press it gently. Um, it, you'll be able to feel that it's ripe. Um, it'll just be kind of... Not too hard, but kind of soft to touch, but not too soft. I don't know if that maybe it's like um it's like yeah the, uh, oh I was just doing that yeah, if you yeah. press the yeah. press the little bowl of your where your thumb yeah. connects to your hand that's probably what you want to look for when you when you're touching the mm. the um, plums okay to speed up the ripening process. You can place plums in a paper bag and store them at room temperature away from the sunlight. Um, you can store ripe plums in a plastic bag in the crisper drawer, and that'll prolong the eating life, usually about three to five days. Um, you can also freeze them. Mm. Mm. So uh, stone fruit like with most stone fruits, they're all pretty good at freezing. So first you should peel the fruit, uh, so dropping it into the boiling water, dropping it into the cool water, and then remove the skin. And then you slice open, remove the pits, um, which can actually impart bitterness to the fruit during freezing. 
So you want to get rid of the pits from these. Um, place it in the airtight container, and it'll last up to a year. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Not bad, huh? Yeah. If, if you roll your stone fruit in sugar as well before freezing, it actually helps preserve the shape. Cool. Mm. Not that you want to roll your... I wouldn't be rolling um, my stone fruit and sugar just to preserve shape. I feel like that is a... Mm. So by is sugar, a sweet do they mean like game. roll it in liquid chocolate? That's sugar, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, no. like sugar. Yeah. Like like white sugar. Mm-hmm. More sugar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah terrible. Yep. God damn. That, I... Oh. I couldn't even think about that. They're pretty sweet already. So anyway, if you if you if you took them out, covered in sugar, and then like put them into a hot frying pan, they'd probably um, caramelize up really nicely with the sugar Actually, on them. That'd be really good. Yeah, and chuck a bit of balsamic vinegar in there, deglaze it, and just yep, far out. That that'd be amazing. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so that's pretty much story. Um, yeah, I, I really want to eat a plum. I feel like, can we, for the next one that we do, can we have that vegetable with us or have that fruit or whatever so that we can yes. at least try it while we're... It's probably a good idea, yeah. Yeah. Especially if it's okay. something we haven't tried before. That's we could, very true. We could do a, like a, a live tasting at the same time. Yeah, that's it. And get our it. reactions. Yeah. Mm, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we've already eaten before, but we are going to get to some really doozy ones like dragon fruit, like... Mm-hmm. Um, and stuff that we don't like, like lychees, do not like lychees. Yeah, um, no, it's hit and miss with lychees. Mm. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Anyway, look, that that covers off plums. That is very interesting. Mm. I I enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. me too. No, I, I, I've avoided eating plums probably my whole life and now all i can think about <laughs> is going to get a plum <laughs> and then you know what i'm gonna, gonna bite go- and go oh this is disgusting <laughs> well don't do that um make sure you chop it up man maybe take the skin off so that you don't have that tart skin when you first yeah. try it you know yeah get ease yourself into it really slowly mm-hmm. um plums are delicious you can get Lots of different varieties, so make sure maybe start with a sweet one because yeah. a lot of us, there's only a very small percentage of the population that actually enjoys bitter um, taste. I, I like bitter more than sweet. Yeah, you're one of the few. Um, I think it's actually programmed into you know our genetic makeup that there's a very like it's only like about twenty percent of the population that actually can tolerate bitter taste. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I didn't know that. Hmm. Yeah, it's quite uh, it's quite a unique thing, actually, which is weird. But I did um, feel unique. But thanks for validating. Yeah. Unique New York. Unique New York. Okay. So look, uh, thank you for listening to everyone out there. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that episode about plums. We certainly enjoyed doing the research mm-hmm. on it. Um, Tim, what are we doing next week? Uh, what are we up to? We are, are we up going to do a, a herb or a herb. Yeah, 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 a herb or a seed well, or something like that. I or a nut. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I chose plums, mate. So I think it's your turn. Okay. Yes, that is my turn. Yeah. I think that we should do 
I think that we should do a nut. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um. I. I. Yeah. I think we should do a nut. I actually would like to do something that I think is sounds boring, but I feel like I. I thought plum was going to be boring as well. Mm-hmm. So we're going to stay with the peas, mm. and we're going to do the peanut. Oh, I thought you were going to say pistachio. No, that's, that's <laughs> and that's a fancy nut. We're not doing fancy. Nuts, yeah, no, we're going to do the pistachios. Peanut. No, 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 yeah, the right. peanut. We'll do pistachio yeah, another good. time. But it. the humble peanut. Oh man, I eat so much peanut butter. Oh. Heat. See, that's that's a whole nother avenue, right? Yep. I feel like yep. the peanut is a very it's almost like the potato of the nuts. Yeah. It can be used in a lot of different things. Yeah. It's used in a lot of different cultures, a lot of different foods. Um, you know, it comes in those little little shells. Yeah. Shells that nobody even knows about. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's all different flavors of peanuts that you can get. People salt them and they yeah, flavor them. Salted and oh, yeah. chili and lime. <laughs> yeah, that one from Aldi. It's amazing. Yeah. So good. Anyway, um, so look, that uh, I think peanuts is going to be really fun. Mm-hmm. Cool. So I'm, it's, a, it's our first nut, man. Yeah, man. That'll be good. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we'll try not to be too nutty. Yeah. Yeah. That was bad. That was really bad. But, uh... (laughs) (laughs) No, that was bad, too. Bad timing. Bad timing. (laughs) Uh, Okay, look, before we both lose our minds uh, in this uh, recording of this podcast, look, uh, we just want to say a big thanks to everyone listening. Uh, Keep the feedback coming. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Make sure to subscribe. I had some really good uh, feedback on our Onions podcast um, just mm-hmm. over the last couple of days, which was really good. Uh, that was a big one for me as well. I really enjoyed the Onion podcast. Uh, it was very fun. Lots of layers to that one. Mm, it uh, was multi-layered, that one. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, look, uh, keep listening. If there's anything you want to write in and tell us, if you've got any funny stories about plums, if you've got some favorite recipes about plums, please let us know. Um, we Don't forget be- about our Instagram. Yes, we have an Instagram. There is nothing on it at the moment. I've been trying to upload the broccoli podcast for the last week. I will be uploading the Plum podcast there as well and some other cool things uh, to the Instagram. So just jump on and give us a follow. It's two guys, one plant podcast. I think there's some dots in between all the words, but you can find us on Instagram. If you just search for two guys, one plant podcast, you'll find us. Again, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure, Tim. Um, and Likewise. Look- We will tackle some peanuts the next time we speak. Sounds good, mate. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, and uh, do yourself a favor and eat some more plants.